morning, everyone. Can you believe that God has spoken those words to us this morning? Can you, can you just, just for a moment in time, think that the God of the universe, who just, in a word, created everything that we see, decided to tell us this morning that we share in his holiness? I mean, come on. I don't need to say a word this morning. Because we revel in the presence of the God who wants us to participate in all that he has. It's incredible. I'm blown away this morning by that. Um, and it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because this is the... This is the word, this is the concept that I'd like to share with you this morning. It's about changing perspective. It's how we look at life. Um, and I'd love to tell you loads of stories um, about the times I have seen God do incredible things. All right, Lisa wanted me to, well, she was reminding me of a full moon night where we saw a demon-possessed girl get saved and then had to deal with a parrot and a full moon and a witch doctor getting saved too, which is like, what? You'll have to ask us for dinner and we'll tell you the story one day. Um, but I've seen things like that. I've been lost in the middle of a refugee camp in Uganda and been saved by an angel. I know I was. Utterly convinced I was going to die. And then out of nowhere, rescued. I have seen and known the power of God moving so that I go, whoa! And yet I'm crippled by doubt. And I'm crippled by my own inadequacy and fear. And that's totally true. Because I lose perspective. And we live, don't we, as Christians, in this crazy place of the now and the not yet. Because I know when I think about it and when I sing these wonderful songs that eventually something glorious is going to consume me. But I've got to live here. <laughs> through the drudgery of life. And the challenges of life. And the disappointment of life. I tell you... I have spent time, and for those of you who don't know me, you're going to discover something about me in a minute anyway, but nature's a bit of a thing for me. But I have, in recent times, found myself walking the dog in the woods, weeping, leaned up against a tree saying, God, why is it like this? In my life and in the world around me. Why? And that's because I've lost a sense of perspective. I've lost sight of the promise of God and the holiness of God, which we've been reminded of this morning. Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to go back a slide because I just need to do this because you know what I'm like. <laughs> Today is Wombat Day. In Australia, they celebrate wombats today. So I just thought I might celebrate a piece of God's creation with you this morning with a wombat. Now, honestly, wombats are incredible creatures. They poo cubes. 
animal in the world that do poo that's a cube shape. And now I don't even want to get into the physiology of how that happens, but they think it's because when they mark their territory, they don't want it to roll away. Isn't that ridiculous? All right, this creature, this creature can run at 40 kilometers an hour and knock you over if it wants to go through you. They're amazing animals, but this is the thing I really love about them, right? They dig burrows, and they're quite grumpy and territorial, but when fire sweeps through, it tolerates other species taking shelter there. Isn't that amazing? God's always got a lesson to teach us from these creatures. We are creating some places of safety. Lisa talked about places of safety when she read Ephesians 7. And we can be a place of safety for people, the church in times of fire. All sorts of species, doesn't matter what they are, it will tolerate wallabies and snakes and skinks and all sorts of things disappearing. In. Apparently, there's a story that there was a, a penguin that lived in the wombat's burrow longer than the wombat did because the wombat never even noticed it coming in and out. There you go. Anyway, I, I, I'm always in danger of talking too long about this sort of thing um, and not getting on to the point. But wombats, today's wombat day. Um, if the only thing you take from this morning is that they poo cubes, I'm sorry. Um, but they provide shelter in the worst of times for those who need it, regardless of whether they're the same as them or not. Isn't that something? What is the place of our church in a time of fire and crisis? And how are we making it welcoming to all those who don't quite fit anywhere else? There's a thought in it, all from a wombat. Right. Okay. Psalm 37, not 27. Sorry, Nate, about that. That's, that's, that you've been reading that all week. I'm sure it was a blessing. Um, <laughs> it's a really interesting psalm, this one, because it's a little bit like... David wants to put his arm around someone and take them for a walk and give them the wisdom of his years. That's what it is. It's not, a, it's a song, of course, because it's a psalm, but it isn't sort of a, you know, w w let's praise and go to the temple. It's not those things. It's just a, well, he says in verse 25, I was young and I'm now old. Okay. And he is sharing his experience of life. So what I would like to do with you this morning is just walk through a little bit of this. We're not going to read the whole thing. That's for you to do in your time and in your groups. If you want to look at this a little bit more closely, I love this psalm. This psalm may helped me make one of the biggest decisions I've ever made in my life. Because God spoke it directly to me one of the verses, in fact, the one I've just quoted. Um, we might eventually get to that, but who knows? And I've always got to keep an eye on the time. So we're going to focus a lot on the introduction of this psalm, the first few verses, and then I'm going to pick out a couple of other highlights. But they're reflections that I have been making around my own life and how having experienced so many incredible things in my life of God's hand and work and faithfulness and holiness and all of those things, how is it that I still struggle? Okay? How is it that I still wrestle and doubt and worry? All right? 
because that's a really good place to start, isn't it? First one, so they'll all come up on here. Um, hang on, that's forward. Yeah. Um, so it starts <coughs> with two really interesting points. Okay, here we go. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. So the first thing that David wants to say as he's put his arm around you and taking you for a little stroll down the road, because that's what he would do with me, up into the woods or somewhere like that, he said, don't worry about, don't fear evil and those who do evil. Okay? And also, don't envy, don't be jealous of the wicked. Well, you, let's be honest, David's life was colourful. I think they estimate between 10 and 13 years of his life, he was running for his life. All right, now, none of us have been there, I assume. All right, but his experiences of questioning and doubting and wondering and fearing are the same for us. His experiences of life will be similar to our own. So what is he saying? Do not fret because of evildoers. Well, I feel this is about, the truth is we get scared of things that are evil and what they might be able to do to us. Yeah? If you look at our world around us, you don't have to look too far to realize that evil is on the rise. Is it? And I don't think, and I don't believe that we are more evil now than we were once. I think evil has always been the same. It's just that there seems to be more opportunity for it. And we are surrounded, we talk about living a life of light, we're surrounded by darkness that is created from evil. It's true. If we sort of say that there is good and we believe in God and all of those wonderful things, we can't ignore the fact that there is also evil and there are powers of evil. And what I believe David is saying is here is don't focus on the evil. Don't look at it and worry. That's what I feel he's saying to us. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. This is the thing, right? Um, social media. The news, our friends around us are very, very quick to tell us of all the things that are going wrong. And in fact, <coughs> I'm still trying to convince our children that, they, that this is true. The algorithms on your phone will pick up the things that you're looking at. So if you look at something that is really bad news, guess what? Your news feed is going to be full of really bad news. I mean, mine's full of weird animals but that's a different story <laughs> the reality is this world the press and what they sell to us is basing it on your fear of what if what if this happens what if I lose my job what if there's an attack what if someone does this to me what if this happens what if that happens and we can become addicted to fear. Because what we're doing is we are dwelling in a place where we're focused on the evil and what the possible outcome on me is. 
And David's first thing is, don't sweat it. Don't fret. He didn't say, there's no evil, don't be stupid. Did he? He said, there is evil. But don't fret over it. We've got the answer to it in a minute. I'm taking my time through. Otherwise, I'll just jump all over the place. He also says, don't be envious. This is a really interesting one. Of workers of iniquity or the wicked in many translations. It's a really interesting thing, isn't it? Why would we be envious of the wicked? Well, if you go, is it Psalm 73, I think it might be, where David says things like, oh, whoever, I think it's Asaph actually who wrote that one, said, why do the wicked prosper? Why are the wicked better off than me? Why are the wicked's children doing really well? Why aren't the wicked's uh, kids sick? Why do they prosper? And I was reading uh, or listening to an interesting take on this one. And the guy was saying that he feels that sometimes we start to compromise morally. Because, well, it seems to be okay and there's a benefit to that. There are things that today we accept that maybe our parents and our grandparents in the faith wouldn't have. Envious, jealous, I want what they've got. I want this in my life. I want that in my life. Do we get like that? Do we look at our prosperous neighbors who aren't in the faith and feel held back? I want that. It's really easy, isn't it, in our world around us to want a bit more? Need a new car. Uh, honestly, uh, our boys need some sticking about them um, last a couple of weeks ago. So our boys who have come from Eritrea, um, I need this. I need this. <laughs> um, they've decided that our car is the wrong color, so we need a new one. Because um, uh, it's not a black BMW or something like that. Um, and they have bought into what we should have. And it's easy to do that, isn't it? The next gadget, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And it's all a lie that we're told not to be jealous of. Why? Why shouldn't we fret? Why shouldn't we want what they have? Because in verse 2, it tells us they'll soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. It's about perspective, isn't it? It's about our perspective. We have to, and I'm going to say this a number of times, we have to look beyond where we are now because what they have, what they are, what they're doing is a moment. It's a moment. And like the grass in the field the next day is dead. What's the antidote? Well, thankfully, David doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us the next verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Now, I like this because the antidote to fear is trust. We've sung about, I surrender, I abandon myself to you. That's trust. 
what we do with our um, visitors who come to stay with us. They have massive issues on trust. Uh, lots of the children I work with. So for those of you who don't know, I work at one-to-one mentoring children who are disaffected from school, uh, funnily enough, through nature. Um, so I take them out and I spend time with them. And one of their biggest issues is trust. In fact, nearly every referral that I get says to build a relationship with a trusted adult. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Scary, eh? Um, but that's my job. It's to build a relationship of trust. I can't do that in a moment. It takes weeks of investment. Trust in the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord, but not just that, right? We live in a world of evil. He says, trust in the Lord and don't just accept it. What does he say? Do good. You are the antidote to evil. You and me, in the places that we live, we are the lights within an evil setting. So we don't just sit around and accept that the world is evil and I'm just going to trust the Lord to get through it. No, we're to be counter-cultural and actually live out a life that is revealing the love of God to those around us. This is active faith. This is the holiness of God that we've got a part of shedding the light and the love of God around us. David isn't saying just don't fear and sit it out. You have something to give. In fact, I love the next bit, dwell in the land. You've got to stay there. Dwell there, okay, and feed on his faithfulness. When you meet together with your friends, do you moan about the state of the world? Uh, yes, I worked in the environmental movement for a long time. We did an awful lot of that. Moan about the government, moan about big companies, moan about individuals, moan about this, moan about that. There's a lot of evil in the world, isn't there? Talk, 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 talk. You've got to dwell here, but you don't have to just moan about it. You, me, these are the things I've been thinking about. So when I'm yelling at you, it's just talking to myself. Okay, sorry. For those of you just meeting me for the first time, this is what I'm like. I'm processing what God is talking to me about. (laughs) You are his hands and feet in this place. Stop whinging and do something. Love your neighbor, whatever that looks like. Be kind. Now we pray, don't we? Your kingdom come. And then we wait around hoping something else will happen. We are here for a reason. Otherwise, the minute that we give ourselves to Jesus, we might as well just be transported. What are you here for? What's he calling you to? What's the evil that he wants you to stand up against? Sorry, me stand up against. Because if we all did it, oh my word, what a change. Do we believe that? You see, because a lot of the work that I do, people say, you cannot change that. I absolutely refute that statement. I've got some kids that have been given who they tell me their outcome is prison. And they're not even 10 yet. Because their life is so broken and so damaged and so affected by other people's evil 
that other people are saying, there's no hope. Jesus is the answer. What's my perspective on that child? I've got to love them and show them that there's another way. It's usually not their fault. But it is a world surrounded by evil. We're called to be involved in this. No matter how little. Oh, golly, dear. We're only on verse three. Sorry. Let's move on. This is my favorite one. Partly because I found this picture. When Joe was little, right, I'm going to pick on the kids, Alicia, you're safe. Right, when Joe was little, he's now 21, 21. Yeah, he's 21, man. Uh, And he's, for those of you who remember him, he's now not got ginger hair, it's black. He's got tattoos and piercings everywhere. And he's not walking with the Lord and all of that sort of stuff, which is one of the things I wrestle with. But when he was going somewhere he wanted to, and we still see a little of this in him now, he'd do this. Okay, that was delight. Yeah, he would be like bursting with the next thing that's coming. Uh, I don't know where he gets it from. Um, But his mother. Um, But what does it mean to delight in something? Okay, it means that you're consumed with it. Because it's the most important thing to you. Oh, it's a joy. I mean, for Lisa, it's angel delight, quite literally. But for the rest of us, gotcha. No, um, it is that thing that makes you go, oh, how do you get that delight? You spend time with it. You build that love, that, that knowledge, that experience. Delight in the Lord. Question for myself. How much time do I spend with him so that my delight grows? Am I focusing on that news and that evil? This is the counter to jealousy and fear and worry about what's going on around us. It's time with the Lord. Because the more time you spend with him, don't you realize it? When you're here and he's speaking and we're singing and we're caught up in the moment, that is a delight. And it says later, and I don't know if I'm going to get to it, he delights in us. Zephaniah 3.17, he rejoices over us with singing. What a relationship that is where there's mutual delight in one another. You wouldn't want to be anywhere else, would you? Oh, you know, this is going on here and that's going on there. And the latest news has come up that so much has happened. And oh, my word, I'm fretting over the world. Delight in the Lord and that's put in its place. Over it all. Oh, hurry up. Commit your way to the Lord. Give everything to Him. Commit. Yeah? That's what they say, isn't it? You've got to, you're all in, aren't you? You've got to be all in. Commitment is not like, just put my toe. Jenny goes in the sea in the winter. She's committed. I might put my toes in and go, hmm, not so sure about that. She's all in. You're all in with the Lord. I mean, I got in a lot of trouble once at the CU because I was talking to the, when I went to the university, 
and she said something about compromise, you know, that, you know, on the, on the exec or whatever it was at the time. And I just said, well, did Jesus go on the cross with one hand only? Sorry. I didn't have many filters at that stage in my life. Some would say I don't have many left now. Um, he was all in. He didn't hold back anything of himself. He was committed to what the outcome was. We're called to be committed to the Lord, and he will act. He'll bring it to pass. It's going to happen. Whatever it is, he's on it. For me, the faith of my kids, one day, amen, he's going to do it. I'm committing them to the Lord because it breaks my heart, and I weep over them. I weep over the kids that we see, the kids I work with. But I will pray for them. I will commit to them. I will commit all of those things to the Lord. Some of you know I've got this dream that what I do will get bigger and we'll be able to do more of it. It seems to be dying in my hands at the moment, and I don't know why. But I ain't leaving it. It frustrates me. It angers me. I tell God how cross I am with him sometimes. But he will bring it to pass. Look, he will bring your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. He will vindicate your faith in him over that thing. He will. Don't you just love the sort of, you know, well, he might, he maybe, he won't, you know. He will do it. Thank you, guys. He will. He's not a God of maybe. It's just it's that our lifetimes are so tiny that we just need it now. And we're trapped, aren't we, in this, this world that tells us that if it's good, it's got to happen right now. I need it now. And we get caught in that with our faith, don't we? You know, instantaneous prayer. Which, ooh, there it is. God's like a Father Christmas handing out presents. Change your perspective. Rest. Don't fret. Don't worry. He's repeating himself, so I won't. Cease from anger. I do like this one. Don't fret. It causes calm. Think about it. When you start fretting over something, do you feel better? Do you sleep well? No. I didn't sleep well last night. I was fretting over this. <laughs> Next week. Um, God doesn't want us to live like this. He told us he'd come to give us life in abundance. Fretting is not abundant life. And there is an antidote to it. Evildoers will be cut off. Those who wait will inherit the earth. We have something coming. But we have to wait. Um, those of you who've been to our house have met Fred, who's our Springer Spaniel. It's not good at waiting. Right? Even when you call him to wait in the woods and tell him to sit, he's sitting there like this. Right? Wait, Fred. Wait. Wait, Fred. But I want to go. Right? We need to be good at waiting because our perspective is longer term. We see it. And this is why. We are blameless. 
We don't have to live in a world where we're always thinking about our faults and our failures. That's another voice talking to you. We have an inheritance because Jesus was all in. He's carried the blame so that we are blameless. Now, if that's not a woo-hoo this morning, nothing else is. Someone's calling to tell me to stop. Our inheritance is forever. We have all eternity to work out what this thing about sharing in his holiness means. You've got to get a little bit excited about that. Because this is the promise of our, our inheritance. Sealed up for now, can't see it yet, but it's coming. Don't worry about evil people, we've got heaven forever. Okay, I'll speed myself up and finish because I think it would be really good, wouldn't it, to celebrate that together and maybe to confess quietly to God. Maybe I've lost my perspective a little bit and I just want to tell you you're amazing and I want to focus on you this morning. I think that's what God would love us to do, grasp onto that holiness that's ours and ask him, how should I live in this world Contrary to that fear and jealousy of that which is not right. Okay, two uh, little sections. I love this one. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way, though he fall. Doesn't mean to say we're not going to fall, does it? He's not going to keep us upright the whole time. We might stumble, but it means we won't be downcast forever. Because he holds us with his hand. Can you imagine that? You've had your... Maybe you're in that place that I'm in at the moment that's just kind of like, what is going on? Where's it going? And I feel like this. And then there's a hand. And it's his. It's his. And you might be the actor of that hand to someone else. You might be the one who brings forth the word of God to someone else to lift them from that place. Because you're delighting in the Lord. That's an amazing place to be. I've missed a bit somewhere where it talks about he will give you the desires of your heart. That is not prosperity gospel, just so we know. We don't do something so that we get something. The more we delight in God, the more we understand his ways, and the more actually we get the things we want, because what we want is him. It's kind of churchy. Because the more we love him, the more we like him, the more we understand him, the more we want what he wants. So it's not delight yourself in the Lord and you'll get a 90-inch TV. All right? doesn't work like that. I love this one. This is the verse that changed my life. Um, I could have. I was tempted to find a picture of me when I had hair and then one without. Although, to be honest, you can see that. I washed it for you this morning. Um, I have been young and I'm now old. I have never seen, not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. About 14, 15, 16 years ago, I was a teacher, and I was, you know, working up the ladder, was being talked to about deputy heads and all of that sort of training, and it just filled up. And then up flashed a job at Devon Wildlife Trust to be their education officer, which was 20, 20, 25,000 pounds a year less, and I had a wife who was just part-time and we had 
three children at home and a big mortgage and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, so what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, fret, 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 worry. And I was driving up the M5 to work at the time. Um, and interestingly, saw a deer on the side of the road. Of course, it's always something that triggers me nature-wise. And literally, as I clocked that deer and thought, wow, that's cool, isn't it? God said, I've been young and I'm now old and I have never seen the righteousness taken or the children beg God. Just like that. I applied for the job the next day and the rest is history. And we, of course, we're okay. Because that was the story of his promise to me. And now this is David's observation of what he has seen in his life. It doesn't mean to say that people won't go through hardship. It doesn't say that. They're never forsaken. Okay? We all know everyone in the room can attest to hardship and difficult times and times where it's felt that the Lord has been a long way away. And yet, we have never been forsaken. So, reflections, and we'll be glad to hear I'm finishing now. Sorry. Um, I like this picture because it's a change of lanes. Helps you to see clearly further on. So, what have I said? Well, we're told not to worry, and the answer to worry is to delight in the Lord. We're told to trust instead of being jealous. We're told that we can rest in the Lord and commit our way to him because he knows what's coming. And beyond that, we know we've got this touch of understanding of his holiness and yet there is so much more. I love that three little word phrase you get in Romans a lot. So much more. So this morning, are you a bit like me and sort of sitting slightly downcast or worried about something or slightly wondering where your relationship with God is or whether you are delighting in him enough, here's a chance. In worship, we can just respond with all of our hearts. We've already told him we believe that anyway. I stand with arms high and heart abandoned. So either you meant it or you were just enjoying the song. God takes us at our word. This morning, are we dwelling in the faithfulness of God that has been and knowing that there is more to come so that everything else falls into place. That's what David was trying to tell us when he threw his arm around us, took us for a walk and said, keep your eyes in the right place. Thank you, Paul. I think without any further ado, let's uh, worship. Let's uh, connect in with that heavenly perspective. <laughs> 